Hey everybody, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist here with the pleasure of introducing our special recording. Some of the members of our podcast headed out to Los Angeles not too long ago and went to the Peterson Automotive Museum where they had the Bond in Motion exhibit and they were kind enough to give us private access to that exhibit for a few hours so we could do a recording in and amongst the James Bond vehicles. Now, private access was nice so we could limit the background noise. But, of course, there's still certain building noises, air conditioners, things like that. I've done my best to eliminate those. The sound quality has come out pretty good, but if it's not up to your usual expectations, it's just because it's a live recording. But, without further ado, I give you your OHMS Pod co-host crew. The exciting, dangerous world of James Bond has arrived in Los Angeles. The Peterson Automotive Museum invites you to experience the cinematic legacy of over 30 iconic vehicles of James Bond in the new exhibit, Bond in Motion. This new Bond exhibition features the largest official collection of 007 vehicles in the United States, including the 1977 Lotus Esprit S1 Submarine and No Time to Die Aston Martin DB5. Plan your visit today at peterson.org backslash bond. That's P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N dot org backslash bond. Hey! Hey, everybody! We are live! We are coming to you live from the Peterson Automotive Museum in beautiful downtown Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, all that whole area, Wilshire Boulevard. Here we are. We've got the On Her Majesty's Secret podcast team. We are at Peterson Museum. We are in the Bond in Motion exhibit. Tons of awesome, authentic, and slightly restored co-hosts. No, no, vehicles. <laughs> vehicles that we're all very excited to see. We're going to be talking about today. We'll give you a look at them and talk about them and everything. And we've got a special treat where we've got a list of items that Jared and company have put together to go through to talk about. So let's first kind of introduce who all is here, starting on my left. Delvin Williams, a.k.a. Dark Web. Delvin! All right, next up. Jason Albrecht, a.k.a. The Weasel Skull. And I am Van Allen Plexico. You sit at my table. Your host, and also we are joined by our co-host, Alan Pulsa. There he is, and... I am Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, also known as Death Pro. There he is. All right, all right. So we have to first thank the Peterson Automotive Museum for having us out here. This is a really special thing. We've been promoting this exhibit for them, and because it's an awesome thing to promote, but also... They uh, they invite us out here to broadcast from the exhibit, which is so awesome. So here we are. I'm not sure the security officer believes us. But <laughs> <laughs> I think he thought the best thing to do was just humorous, give us a table and chairs, and we'll be gone sooner or later. So <laughs> get rid of us. going to turn up at a museum at 7 a.m. Yeah, these guys yeah. I, I say tomorrow we should show up at another museum and tell them the same story. <laughs> see what happens. Let's ride this pony. <laughs> yeah, just keep going as far as we can. This really is an awesome museum, an awesome exhibit. We spent a little bit of time already kind of looking around at it, and I'm looking forward to spending some more time. So if you're in the L.A. area or make a special trip like we did, come and check it out. I think that you'll really enjoy it, as you Bond fans will really enjoy it. So on this episode, we are going to reveal the official On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast top 10 list 
of James Bond vehicles as voted on by you, our listeners, and social media followers. All five of you, no, I'm just much more than that, <laughs> voted on this, and I think your results are very bizarre, but that's okay. We're going to uh, announce them anyway. So Agent Jared, with a little help from Agent Allen, these two over here to my right, collected and tabulated your responses from social media. We did math, people. We did. Well, when he says we did math, he means they, because I had nothing to do with the math. They collected and tabulated responses from social media, and we are now, are we now, 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 good, everybody, now Now ready to reveal the list. Remember, if it hadn't been for Q Branch, you'd have been dead long ago. First up, I believe our agenda calls for us to tell our single most impressive vehicle here, so... Let's start on this end with Jared and tell us which is your most impressive. I tell you what, when, as soon as we came in those doors, one of the first vehicles I saw was the Aston Martin from Living Daylights with its outrig ski stuff and everything. And you know I'm a Dalton homer, so <laughs> that was kind of the first one I locked eyes on, and it's just a gorgeous car. So that's my favorite one. There you go. All right, Alan. I'm actually going to say the same thing, partly because, one, it's an awesome car. Two, it's an awesome stunt model because it's actually not a drivable car. It's a... It's a stunt one that they fired up the ramp, which is pretty cool, and the outriggers work and everything. And three, because, yes, I'm going to talk about the Ian Fleming Foundation a lot, because probably 80% of the vehicles here come from the Fleming Foundation. That was actually the first thing I worked on when I joined the Ian Fleming Foundation. Oh, wow. Was, was that actual car, so... Uh, Are you the one who scratched it? No, I was not the one who scratched it. <laughs> what were they thinking letting you have the keys to that thing? My goodness. <laughs> no, I put the, uh, the roof back on the... What do you call it? The sunroof. Moon roof, sunroof, moon roof, sunroof, moon roof. Sun roof. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go over and let Jason go. I'm gonna save myself for last. You know, I'm gonna be boring and go with the Aston Martin DB5 that's up there, the Sean Connery classic. Mm. It is beautifully displayed. It's got a floor to ceiling picture of Sean Connery in that iconic pose yeah. leaning against it. It's everything that's James Bond to me, all summed up in one display. And Delvin. Yeah, I was looking at the Lotus Esprit. That was the first thing that caught my eye. Wet Nelly. It was like all. Oh. That's nice. But then I saw, I did see the Aston Martin and was looking at one car and just was magnetically attracted to it. It is, oh, it's so beautiful. It is beautiful. So nobody's going to say the little airplane hanging from the ceiling? That's, <laughs> That's uh, Sanchez's Cessna. Sanchez's Cessna. Yeah. I'll say this. When you walk in here and you see the Sean Connery Aston Martin, you can see all the pictures of it that you want and say, yeah, it's all right. But when you see that thing sitting there, it really is. You just kind of go, dang. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's one of those kind of cars you kind of have to see in person, I yeah. think, to fully appreciate how remarkable it is. But I'm going to say the, the full-size Moonraker space shuttle that they have here. Oh, wait. No, they don't have a – that's, that's <laughs> Huntsville. It's out in the parking lot. <laughs> that, that's actually in Huntsville at the Space and Rocket Center that you can see a quote-unquote Moonraker shuttle. So I think I like the Pierce Brosnan little green mini boat. I didn't remember it was green. But I love Brosnan. I love that movie. The, all four of his, well, three of his. But, um, <laughs> there but were the, four of it. That's true. <laughs> but the little boat is just so neat because that boat, I think, Alan, you agree, it's like if you had a Formula One car on water. Yeah, and that actually is still fully functional. It does about 70 miles an hour on the water. It is a beast. Wow, it actually works. Yes, it is. Fully you, just, you take it out fishing, whatever. You, you and you and <laughs> you Q take it out fishing. Yeah, yeah, we do, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. That's my retirement plan. There you go. That's yeah. awesome. That's so good. All right, so we've checked in with the team. I think it's time to count down the actual list of who voted what. Number 10, Jared, take it. 
the Toyota 2000 GT. That came in at number 10. So as voted on by you, number 10 is the, the Toyota 2000 GT. Could you describe which one that is? Absolutely, no absolutely. That is the little white Japanese sports car oh. from You Only Live Twice. Oh, right. Yeah, um, that's awesome. I love that car. In my research for it, I, I was really uh, amazed by it. Well, first of all, most Bond fans know that they actually didn't make a convertible. Those were made special for Sean Connery. They took two of them, literally cut the roof off, and turned them into convertibles because it's a small person's car. I was just about to ask, is it because he's too tall? Yes, absolutely. I watched a video of Jay Leno got to drive one of the ones from the movie, and Jay Leno was cramped. (laughs) And and, and even Jay was like, Connery's taller than me. And so it's a cramped car. Basically, he would have been, you know, head cocked to the side in, in there. Anyways, what I found out about it is, it's known as Japan's first million-dollar car because it is their first sports car that actually sold for over a million dollars in the aftermarket. Wow. First of all, it's a Yamaha design that Yamaha brought to them and said, hey, would you be interested in doing it? Actually, they brought the Nissan first, and Nissan said no. And <laughs> then they brought it to Toyota. And they made um, – the numbers I keep finding online are kind of in the same ballpark. I see different numbers, but they only made like 300 and – what would you say, Alan? People say like three fifty. I've seen yeah, three fifty. Three fifty is the accepted number. Yeah, yeah it's like, I see three fifty two. And, and, and anyways, they made a very limited amount. And what I didn't realize is like it was made to compete with brands like Porsche mm. and Ferrari, and like it's in that elite category. It is definitely Japan's most famous, expensive, sought after, holy grail of sports cars. It had only been designed the year before, or well. It was in design before that, but kind of production models came out the year before Bond. The Bond movie really helped kind of give it that extra punch oh, to put yeah. it on the map. And uh, so there you have it. Does Bond ever drive it in the no. movie? I don't think no. he does. No. I think Aki drives it. It's Aki, right? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I probably went on too long. Guys, I know you've got additional because he's our, <laughs> Alan's our car guy. I know he's got additional. Anybody got any thoughts on the little white sports car from Japan before I give it to Alan to put icing on this cake? I love it. It's awesome. It's so cute. And Aki looks cute in it with her little scarf and everything. <laughs> that she's, was really, she's a yeah. good accessory for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to gonna say. It's definitely the car for Aki. When I think of that car, I think of Aki. Yeah, it's, it's great. Okay. Alan. So just to pick up on something Jared said, there was actually only two convertibles made for the movie. What happened to those convertibles? Well, mm. one was eventually, I don't know how, but it ended up in Hawaii and was found in Hawaii and bought by Toyota and they took it back to Japan and refurbished it, and it's now in the Toyota Museum. And the second one apparently was wrecked by somebody when they were test driving it in Japan in the mid-70s and was supposedly written off, but there's also reports that it actually was restored and is in the hands of a private owner somewhere around. So, But there are, I think there's at least <laughs> one other show, one in a museum somewhere that is not necessarily the real thing, but just a show car. So a little confusion about what actually happened to the yeah. second of those and where it is. So, uh, Some of the aftermarket ones have been converted to convertible, by the way. Yes. So yeah. if you see a convertible one out there, don't be like, you guys are liars. They only made two. They, some have been converted in, yeah. in mm-hmm. the yeah. aftermarket. Yeah. All right. So, Alan, you are up next. All right. It's back to me. So number nine. that I fell in love with when I was 10 years old when I first saw Honor Majesty's Secret Service in the movie theater and that is Tracy's Red Mercury Cougar. Great car, beautiful sports car of the time. The one they actually have here is the one from the Fleming Foundation and my wife and I were lucky enough to work on it to get it ready to come here 
so the fact that I sort of fell in love with that car at 10 years old and then <laughs> years later um, actually get to work on it was just a dream come true it's a beautiful car beautiful to sit in it's really wide inside and lots of room it's like it's got one of those uh, bench front seats from back then yeah beautiful car this particular one was found in a shed in Sweden I believe um, it's <laughs> yeah, we've done some restoration work. Uh, Jason was asking me about the skis on the back. If they're the original ones, they're not. They're period I had ones asked. that we managed to source and, and put back on there. This is the car that you see Tracy driving at the beginning of the movie and in the beginning of the car chase. I think there was four used in the movie. Two that were just roads and then two that were used for the stock car race and the scenes after the stock car race because it needed to have the damaged front when it was back in the car chase. So... There's the pristine road ones, and then there's the stock car race damaged ones. One of the other road car ones sold, I think it was in 2020, for $485,000 in grief. auction. So that's a special car. It's a beautiful car. It's great to work on. And like I say, it's one of my go-to vehicles since 1969, and it's great to see it here. I have a question for you. All right, because you and I have talked about this before, Alan. Fords pop up a lot in these movies. They do. And it's not a company that I would normally have associated, other than Ford versus Ferrari, right? right where yeah. they deliberately tried to get into the fast car yeah. industry. Yeah. Ford is not a car I would associate with James Bond, other than it is very associated with James Bond. Do we know why Ford keeps popping up? It's down to Lee Iacocca, basically, who okay. was the head of marketing at Ford at the time. If you watch Ford versus Ferrari, he actually makes a remark about the fact that Bond and Aston Martin is so closely associated we should be doing something like that. Right. It was basically down to him coming up with a very early, for Bond movies, subtle product placement by having Fords throughout them. They used the Bond movies to launch the Ford Mustang. Uh, if you actually watch uh, Goldfinger, uh, the first time the Ford Mustang is actually ever seen on screen is in Goldfinger. Oh. And, that, and that was actually a couple of months before they, I think they launched the car, a couple of weeks before they launched the car. Oh, wow. And uh, there's actually a Mustang in, I think, the next three or four movies. And then you do see mm-hmm. Fords scattered throughout, mm-hmm. right the way through into the Daniel Craig. If you actually look at the in Casino Royale when he pulls up in the, right. in the parking lot outside Casino Royale, Every car in that parking lot is a Ford or a brand owned by Ford at wow. that time. The rental really car is a Ford, too, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Ford Mondeo, which the foundation does have, but actually isn't here at the moment. But <laughs> That's interesting. It's in a barn yeah. in Switzerland. That's <laughs> <laughs> in a workshop in Illinois. <laughs> Close. All right, so let's see. Good question, though. Yeah, so who's next? Jason, Yeah, you have number me. eight. Number eight. I was lucky enough to get selected to talk about the first Bond car. The Sunbeam Alpine from Dr. No. So what I learned about the Sunbeam Alpine, other than sun, Sunbeam makes delicious bread, <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Saturday matinee theater plug, was that there was only about 45,000 ever put into production. It was a pretty popular car. It was made by a company called the Roots Group out of the UK. They made five series from 1962 through about 1967. The one that James Bond drives in Dr. No is from the first series. And you can kind of tell because only the first and second series have the tail fins, which mm-hmm. you'll notice uh, in the film. Now, the chase scene made famous in Dr. No, where he's being chased by the hearse, that Alpine Sunbeam is not going to go that fast. Mm-hmm. It'll do about 70, 75 on the Autobahn. It is way overpowered by that hearse. So there's a little movie magic in there, though. 
Originally, the producers were approached by Aston Martin. They offered to provide a car for the Bond film. But producers were a little gun-shy. This was the first one. They wanted to save some money. They didn't have a large budget. So the car that you see on screen was actually locally owned in Jamaica Mm -hmm. by a physician who just loaned the car for the movie. And so that was James Bond's first car. I watched some YouTube videos of it. It's very popular uh, and still in the UK. There are like driving clubs that go out and drive around in these Sunbeam Alpines. And you can go on YouTube and do like a virtual ride-along. Oh, that's cool. It runs very smooth, very quiet, very nice little car. And that was the car that introduced us to the cinematic world of 007. I got to say, though, Jason, I think that if I was in a slow car and there was a hearse full of assassins chasing me, I could make it go a little faster. (laughs) (laughs) A hearse full of assassins just is like not something you want chasing you. That is true. It's a good band name, though. It is. A hearse full of assassins. But, you know, it rides low to the ground, so he's able to go under that. Mm -hmm. uh, Uh, I I love the fact that Super Spy James Bond's first car was a loner, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And by the way, if anybody knows where that is, let me know because that is like the holy grail of the excitable <laughs> Bond cars. Nobody knows what it is because it was a loner. Mm. Nobody's been able to trace it. So uh, Wow. Yeah, yeah, the one I saw on YouTube, somebody had procured one. It was all yeah. banged up, and, and so he restored it. And It was really interesting to see what he had to go through to restore, actually restore the car. I had to yeah. get like gaskets for the windshield uh-huh. custom made. It, it, was, it was a beast. And there's not a key. There's a like a crank right. that goes in the door handle. So he had to find like the crank so you can put it in the socket <laughs> and turn. It's wow. really, uh, it's really a unique car. I, I encourage you all to check it out on YouTube if you get a chance. It's, it's a fun little, fun little ride. Very nice. All right. And Delvin, you have number seven. Number seven is... Lotus Esprit bronze from For Your Eyes Only. Slight mea culpa in that, like, I didn't fully understand the assignment. Like, I did look up some YouTube videos. You and, did more than me then. And, and, <laughs> but, but I, like, when I saw the YouTube videos, there was a bunch of terms that had I even tried to say them that I would have, like, looked like a complete idiot. So, I will at least read an interesting anecdote from media.lotuscars.com about the Lotus Esprit. Before the Lotus Esprit had even been chosen as 007's transport, Lotus PR boss Don McLaughlin pulled off a high-risk stunt of his own. It was a part of a strategy to make the Bond franchise production team based at Pinewood Studios actually want the Esprit for the next James Bond film. Don was trying to get a Lotus Europa onto the new Avengers TV series and it didn't quite work, but he was tipped off that the Bond producers were looking for a car that could become a submarine. Of course, that info was highly confidential at the time, so Don, rather than approach the Bond production team directly, needed a way to get them to come to him. He took a red pre-production Esprit down to Pinewood Studios and let the car do the talking. Early one morning, he parked it outside the main door where all the senior management had their offices and left it in such a way that everyone had to walk around it to get to the building. (laughs) To encourage further interest, he removed or covered any branding from the car, including on the speedometer, gear knob, and steering wheel. He even covered up the word Lotus on the tax disc. Don moved it several times around the studio complex throughout the day to ensure it was seen by as many people as possible. At the end of the day, where a small crowd had gathered around the car, Don, saying nothing except 
excuse me, please, pushed past, got in the car, and drove off. <laughs> the production yes. team interest was piqued, and as a colleague who was conveniently one of Don's friends at Pinewood to find out what the car was, Pinewood, the response, the friend said, I can't really tell you. It's a prototype. <laughs> Under further pressure, he responded, oh, all right, then I can give you a phone number. The film's head of special effects duty called Lotus, and the rest is history. There we go. Man. Describe that one for us, people that can't just instantly visualize these cars from the name. So this is the second one. So there's two Lotus Esprits in Fury Zone. There's the first one that gets blown up because it has the burglar alarm. Oh, right. It's a good it's burglar system. A burglar system, <laughs> and it blows up. And then this is the second one where Bung goes to Italy, Cortina, okay. and he's driving around, and it's the bronze one. Uh, it's the Lotus Esprit Turbo, and it has skis along the back and it's like bronze with a a slightly darker trim on it Um, it's a nice car I got to sit in that when it was on a promotional tour for the movie my dad got invited to some event I have no idea how I can't remember (laughs) but he took me along and I got to sit in that car so that was pretty cool so I think actually when we put in our votes that was either my number one or two I think yeah it was on your list it was definitely on my list is that the car that Ferrara was killed in yeah that's the car that Ferrara was killed in yeah oh okay yeah All right, number six is me The Ford Mustang from Diamonds Are Forever, so that would be like a 1970, I'm thinking, Mustang, Mm -hmm. something like that. The early 70s are when Fords still kind of look good to me. By the time you get to the 80s, no, no Ford. But but in the 70s, they still, because they got so boxy, but they were still curvy, yeah. What do you guys have to say about that car? Because I really don't remember much about it. I think it's cool. I like how you can go in two wheels one side, come out two wheels. Oh yeah, it has amazing, amazing yeah. magical ability. Gyroscopic. Yeah, yes. no, that's that's all I got. Little, that's, that's well, that's the one that they drove around the parking lot of yeah. the casinos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can see the mint yes. behind it, and everything, yeah. which just goes on to be on the cover of my book. Okay, Alan, what do you, what do you got about it? How long you got? Um, <laughs> so as I said, it's actually sitting in the far corner from where we're sat. It is the one vehicle in here that is in an unrestored state. Um, it shows pretty much what vehicles look like when we find them and bring them into uh, the foundation for restoration as jared said they filmed part of it in vegas where they it went in on one stage and then they filmed it coming out of the alley here in california <laughs> where it was on the other wheels and after it had been filmed here in california basically it was just left here in the studio ended up in a scrapyard here in california for a while because it was in the california it was in the sun it didn't actually get too degraded it has a special engine in it so people were more interested in it for the engine and the guy in Texas bought it because of the engine, wanted spares for that particular engine, and it sat in his garage, which is where we found it. They've got it up on two wheels here, like it's in the thing, but it's got a Starsky and Hutch type stripe on it mm. with snake skins painted on it. It's in a real mess, and if you actually get around, you're not allowed to here, but if you get around it and underneath it, it's actually all, uh, the floor is like lace. It's all been rusted away mm. and stuff. And when we got it, the transmission and the gearbox was actually in the back seat. Um, it's not where that goes. No. It's just not where it goes. <laughs> not usually, um, no, it's but it's, an inter- it's interesting that they had it in Bond in Motion in London and they've done it here too, that they actually wanted an unrestored vehicle in the display to sort of show what it looks like. And That's cool. So it, it was quite a journey to actually find that one because there's a lot of them, that, a lot of these Mustang Mark 1s around that say they're the James Bond car, but that is the actual one that did the two-wheel stunt. Nice. So. All right. Well, we're supposed to uh, thank our patrons here but I do not have an itemized list of all y'all currently. 
So I will just say thank you to all of our patrons. For, thank you. For thank keep, you. For, yeah. Thank you. You know them, you love them, you can't live without them. All of our great, great patrons. And, and I always like to point out, this is a very popular thing that people do now, is you can put whatever name you want into the name thing on Patreon and I generally read whatever it says and look like an idiot with some of them. But that's what people like. People want to see me look like an idiot reading these crazy names. Y'all so. are Rod Burgundy. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so knock yourselves out with that. Go to patreon.com and just search White Rocket and uh, sign up become a patron. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Darren and Ruth. Yes. Shout out to Joseph Iliff. These yes. are a couple of patrons I know that are specific. The big Bond. Yeah. Bond people. Uh, Matt, Don Zuderman. Don Zuderman, Matt mm-hmm. Robenheimer. So, yeah, yeah. thank. I'm sure we forgot somebody, but thank you guys. Yeah. You guys make stuff like this happen. We have complete private access to all this, so we're we're getting in all these vehicles. Don't tell the Peterson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> my, my pockets are full of souvenirs. <laughs> Instead of taking my flight home, I was just going to drive. You know, yeah. Maybe I'll fly the little Cessna back home. <laughs> that would be nice. All right, we're to the fifth round. We're in the upper half of the countdown. Casey Kasem. And so number five, we go to Jared. Who is number five? What is number five, Jared? Number five is the Aston Martin DBS. Yeah, the one from Casino, the one that's very famous because it flipped uh, what seven times, set a world record. Yes, yes. for flipping it. Uh, I the know because I just read it. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just read it off the thing. Yeah, that one is kind of interesting to do research on because it's we've been in in James Bond car lore for so long. Like when I went to do research, they're like, "It's the new Bond car. It's an Aston." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, give me something I can talk about on the podcast." And the funny thing is, one of the most interesting things I found out about it is is almost silly and banal, but we think of Daniel Craig as the modern era James Bond, but that car came on the scene in the 2006, and that was before the proliferation of smartphones, so there's no Bluetooth in it or anything. I was watching a guy who who was posting a video who owns one, and he was like, this is a Bond car, and it has a CD player in it. (laughs) He's like, when you think of Daniel Craig era Bond, you wouldn't think there'd be a CD player. You got to get the attachment, you know. It's almost like you had to get the cassette, you know, that had the little... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, it would would not be the best look of, like, you know, Daniel Craig's, like, reaching in the backseat for that CD. (laughs) cassette CD. Closing time. (laughs) So, I mean, it's... Driving into car pros. (laughs) It's a gorgeous car, and, and it's... It's awesome and it sounds great. I did read about how they do. Um, I will add this: that how they the sound guys for the movie do it. They literally for hours, and I saw it specific to this car, drive it around under different conditions, different speeds, and they have like six, seven, eight different microphones at different places in the car, mm-hmm. so they can get all the different sounds the car oh makes, so they can edit that in during the. That's and they dope. they yeah. will have they will have thirty, forty, fifty hours of sound. That they're going through for what you know a twenty second moment in a, yeah. in a car chase, but that to me the the craft that they put into that is amazing. Mm-hmm. The other thing I learned from you know I won't steal it from you, Alan. Let them know about the, the the flipping thing that you told yeah. me yesterday. Well, I actually told you something wrong yesterday, so I'm not oh, thank tell you God. That. <laughs> Good thing you passed me I, back. Yeah, <laughs> I did a bit more research last night. When they were setting this up, the DBS is actually too heavy; they couldn't get it to flip. Right. So they put a cannon in the floor that basically shoots out a metal pole. So that got it up and spinning and they didn't actually set out to set a world record it just kept going and going <laughs> and going, <laughs> going and going oh, so, that's kind of how the Indiana Jones yeah, truck yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's a well known technique 
this is where I got it slightly wrong. I believe that when they first did it, they tried it with a DB9, which is what I told you yesterday. Liar. And the DB9, the DB9 flips. <laughs> but when they tried it with the DBS for the actual movie, it was too heavy and they couldn't get it to flip. To so flip. The cannon. So, okay. so they put the cannon underneath it. And, and if you watch the movie, you can sort of see that first one is <laughs> is a pretty explosive. Yeah. It was like Danny McBride, their uh, yeah. special effects guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I'm sat here looking at it now, and it's like, wow, that came out of that thing in a mess. I mean, they've, they've got the, oh. the post-roll version here. And it's yeah, like, yeah. that right rear tire yeah. is like yeah. nearly horizontal. I don't think you want your tires like this yeah. angle right here, guys. Yeah, so that was round five, the Acid Martin DBS. So, Alan, you now have Little Nelly the Gyrocopter. Oh, spoil it. Yeah, number four. Big reveal is Little Nelly the Gyro. <laughs> uh, the Auto Gyro. It isn't here. I know when they did Bond in Motion in London, they had it, and I would just stand there and stare at it. My wife Jill was moaning because we had the whole exhibit to walk around, and I just kept standing and staring at Little Nelly. <laughs> and they were projecting, like they do here, you can't see it, but they've got screens behind each of the exhibits showing where they're used in the movie. They were running the Little Nelly scene, which I've seen like a million times, and I just stood there watching it over and over and over and over. That's my favorite. I don't know whether it's a vehicle or a gadget. I don't know how you. I guess it's a vehicle. Bob. Sure. Takes you from point A to point B. Point B. It's also sort of a gadget because it comes out of Q's briefcase. Yeah. yeah. Briefcases. Really so big briefcases. Really big briefcases. So started out as a, an auto gyro created by a guy called Commander Wallace, Royal Air Force, who built these one-man auto gyros to try to sell to the Royal Air Force. They didn't really take to them as uh, one-man weapon platforms. Pretty similar to the Lotus story in the fact that I think he kept sort of dropping subtle hints to the Bond people that this might be a cool thing to put in a Bond movie. They eventually hired him to do it. Nearly all the weapons worked. I mean, they weren't explosive, but they did fire and stuff like that, and they did drop mines. And he did all the flying in this thing. Um, I think they did about eight hours of flying for the five-minute scene with Little Nelly against real helicopters and stuff, all choreographed. So it was very cool. There's no CGI then. That's all real aerial photography and stuff could you imagine waking up that morning for work and like you knowing that you're gonna just be flying little nelly around <laughs> yeah. like yeah. Yeah. what a great day and one of the things i actually love about it if you actually think about that scene it doesn't advance the plot it's there for no reason at no. all other, other than, than it's cool to, other than it's cool to show off little nelly you know absolutely and again i've been lucky to see her at a couple of air shows over the years in the uk it used to be pretty regular show up at various air shows um do demonstration That's flights cool. mm-hmm. so uh, it was very very cool I went to one uh, when I used to work in the aerospace and we had Concorde there and we were doing flights on Concorde and really the star of the show was this tiny little auto gyro <laughs> and everybody was like oh, 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 oh yeah Concorde oh little Nelly like, <laughs> so uh, yeah that, this is my favourite Bond vehicle it's the one that sits on my desk unfortunately she's not here I was hoping she would be but where do you suppose it is right now I, uh, I guess she's back with Eon or the yeah. folks in the UK who actually own her so yeah, that, well, I was going to say, to be fair, there's several things in that movie that really don't need to be there and are just there for fun. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, it's the whole movie, basically. The whole, yeah, it's a, it's a bunch of non-sequiturs that end up with the volcanoes. There you go. Uh, let's see. So, round three goes to Jason. Who do you have for the third one? I've got the other Lotus. Uh, the Lotus is free from Spy Who Loved Me. Took my anecdote, Delvin. 
Took my hand closed. <laughs> That's okay. I got another. Now, as Delvin indicated, it was uh, was it John McLaughlin? Don McLaughlin? Yes, Some Don. Of Don McLaughlin. Yes, Don. Yeah, it was uh, his design. They were trying to come up with a car to rival Ferrari yep. at the time. This was the first attempt, and apparently it's a quite a good car. handles very well. It's unique in that it you have to actually fill up both sides. There's a gas tank on both sides of the, the vehicle, so that might be a little hassle when you're at the pump. Like, oh, can't quite reach it. <laughs> that thing is not regular on Lennon. <laughs> I think my favorite anecdote about that, and there's tons of stuff on YouTube about this car, obviously. Uh, it was made famous by that chase scene, and then when it converts into the submarine, especially. And that's what they have here, what they call the Wet Nelly version that we've been looking at with the little swim fins and everything. But the story that I found amusing is when they were doing a press tour in Paris... They brought the car. Driver had left the car parked. They had movie plates. They didn't have actual legal license plates. So a French police officer ticketed. (laughs) (laughs) So the driver's like, no, no, no. You know, I'm for the James Bond film. This is a promotional thing for the James Bond film. And the police officer's like, oh, okay, cool. And and so he's like, I'll give you an escort and everything to the event. (laughs) You know, gave him an escort to the event, set it up. And then uh, gave him the ticket anyway. (laughs) And here's your ticket, by the way. And so I guess there was an advertisement in the British papers that says uh, 007 done in for speeding. (laughs) And Albert Broccoli just really loved it. Just thought that was... uh, he could have just led the cops to the water and then just gone off into the ocean. And how are they going to pull him <laughs> over? How are they going to pull you over now, cop? Huh? <laughs> Get me. Well, See you at the finish line, the, <laughs> Well, the question I always had about it is, how does the fish get inside? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Never figured that I, one out. I think it had to be in there when they started out that day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just part of the lunch. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. Part of the packed lunch. Yeah. It's the, it's the only way that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing I'll say to wrap this up is that personally for me, this this is one of the scenes that really brought me into the world of James Bond as a kid. Mm. When I was growing up, the first time I saw James Bond, and for a while, the only time I could see James Bond was on the Sunday night at the movies on television. Mm-hmm. And whenever Spy Who Loved Me came on, I remember the first time watching that scene, just be like, that is so cool, mm-hmm. having a car become a submarine, <laughs> shooting down helicopters, People trying to chase him, and he's blowing them up with torpedoes and mines, and I just thought that was cool. And uh, every time at 50 years old I see that scene, I still, a little piece of me feels that same feeling. So I was very happy to get this car for my high school. Cool. That was the first Bond movie I saw in the theater, and so I remember that just being a gag, a gog at the at the Lotus turning into a submarine, because we had the... The airplane, right, in Man with a Golden Gun, and then we had a car turned into a submarine. So, really, what what was left to uh, turn a car into at that point? You know, you turn into a if you turn into an airplane, you turn into a submarine. I mean, you're pretty much you covered it all at that point. You turned it into a train, an octopus, even got all Oh, you did turn it into a train. That's right. Yeah, good one. Well remembered. Yeah. All right. So, Delvin, can, can I actually? Oh, yes, please. I was telling Delvin this story earlier. Sorry, I don't mean to dominate the podcast, but this is my territory. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was telling Delvin earlier. The one we have here is one of the stump ones that does... This is the one that fires the missile. Right, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. But the actual drivable one that starts everything off and they drove off that has most of the gadgets was lost for years. And then a couple went to one of these lock-up auctions where you basically <laughs> bid on a lock-up without knowing what's in oh, it. Yeah. 
I'm paid like two hundred dollars or something. Oh come on! <laughs> no, this is true. Storage wars, storage wars type thing. And then at the back, underneath the top, all in was this white car. No. And they put it on a trailer and we're trailering it home and stopped off in a diner. And we're having dinner and somebody walks in and said, whoa, who has that James Bond car out there? And they were like, well, that's our trailer. But what do you mean a James Bond car? They'd never watched a James Bond movie oh in their life. They didn't know what gosh. it was. They didn't deserve it. Uh, <laughs> no. So they eventually got no. in touch with the foundation. One of the guys, one of the guys who founded the Inflaming Foundation went along and verified it. And it was actually the, the actual Lotus from The Spy Who Loved Me. How did it uh, wind up there? Nobody knows, but that it's now owned by... Exact same question I asked. No, it's now owned by Elon Musk. He paid... A considerable amount of money for it, let's put it that way. Uh, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is why I yard sale every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> just waiting to find that. In answer to your question, this is, this is why, like, the stranger finds, like, have you found it? Like, if, <laughs> if I found it, I would have a heart attack. <laughs> Uh, yeah. That would be the end of it. You'd yeah. fall over dead, and there wouldn't be any more. Then they'd be like, well, I died. Yeah, we don't know why. Holy cow. Number two. Uh, number two, uh, Dylan. All right. Number two, looking at Jason's crotch, is <laughs> the Aston Martin DV5 from Goldfinger. I'll read the facts that I found about the DB5. The DB5 entered production in 1963. It was named for David Brown, the English industrialist who who bought Aston Martin in 1947. Only 123 DB5 convertibles were made from 1963 to 1965. What set the DB5 apart was his amazingly good looks, which is, yeah, obviously. Mm. It's regularly called one of the most beautiful cars ever made. In the novel Goldfinger by Ian Fleming, I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Heard of him, yeah. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang guy. Bond drove an Aston Martin <laughs> DB Mark III, but by 1964, the DB5 was the newest model on the line, so that's what Sean Connery drove in the film version. Bond's version of the car had two machine guns, battering ram bumpers, revolving license plates, a navigation system way ahead of its time, mm. and an ejector seat. The Goldfinger scene where Q gave Bond the DB5 was shot in the Aston Martin factory. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, cool. You know, I always have to wonder, even though his cutting-edge GPS was awesome in that movie, could you imagine if your phone just went beep, beep, (laughs) (laughs) the entire time you were using that? that, You'd be like, ah, shut up! Um, Yeah, for the first five minutes, it would be cool, and after that, it might kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Jared, I've never had a computer that goes... So, you know, I'm, you know, that's it. countdown aside. I mean, we have to say that isn't that the most associated vehicle yes, with yes, Bond? Yes. It's, yeah. it's, it I mean, the it's, iconic vehicle. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's really remarkable. And it even shows up again in the Cannonball Run. Is it the same? It's actually that car. Yes. It is the DB. Same car in the Cannonball Run. So, man, that's, that's another movie that I wish they would do an exhibit. I'd come right back out here <laughs> if they had just the cars from the Cannonball Run yeah. because there's so many, including the Lamborghini. And that was actually, the Cannonball Run was that car's last movie appearance before it disappeared. Went into re- seclusion? What did no. it do? You don't know the story of the DB5? No. Let me tell you the story. Let <laughs> me tell you the story. <laughs> You're now the ballad of the DB5. <laughs> and it is. I'm not going to tell you the full story. There's actually, a, I have a whole article on Hero Collector about the fate of the DB5. So in Goldfinger, there was two main DB5s. There was the hero car with all the gadget car, and then there was the road vehicle car, because within all the gadgets on it was actually too heavy to drive on the road. <laughs> so long story short, the gadget car ended up 
owned by a guy in Miami in, I think it was the mid, I maybe get my dates wrong, mid 80s, midnight or early 90s. And he had it in his hangar and it was stolen overnight. Oh, and no. it has literally disappeared off the face of the earth. There are two... Elon Musk has it. (laughs) There are are basically two theories. One, that it was an insurance job, and it was basically... It was dragged out. I mean, they found the chain marks and stuff where it was dragged out of the hangar, that it was put in a plane, driven out over the sea and dumped into the sea uh, for an insurance scam. And the other one is there is somewhere in the Middle East in a private collector's thing, and occasionally... And it happened like about two or three weeks ago. You see all these suddenly things. The missing DB5 has been found. It hasn't actually been found. Just keep getting these little hints that it may be somewhere in the Mideast. There is a huge reward out for anybody that can actually get information at least to its actual recovery, but I will never believe it's been found until we actually get a picture of yeah. it with the actual chassis number and stuff, which we've never seen yet. So, uh, unfortunately, I think it's sitting at the bottom of the Florida Keys somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. You, you saying Miami 1980s probably had something to do with something that rhymed but, with Rocaine. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. probably. So, but there are other... Yes. So, the, the non... Gadget car was actually, once it went back into private ownership, people put gadgets back in it. There's also a couple of display cars that were around the time of Thunderball that went on the press stuff that have the gadgets in and they're around. There's one in a museum in Holland. I haven't actually looked at that DB. It's the one car I've not actually gone and looked at. I haven't gone over there yet either. What is this one? Which which That's what I said. I don't know what this one is. I've been over and looked at it yet. Maybe uh, they found the real one. Yeah, and it's just (laughs) sitting here. It's just been sitting here in Peterson all this time. Yeah. So, yeah, so the actual Goldfinger gadget DB5 is. Disappeared. So let's see, how many Bonds got to drive that car? We know Roger Moore had it in Cannonball Run. Connery had it originally. That was the last thing that I did, had on my did, nose. Did, did, uh, <laughs> didn't Daniel Craig drive it at yes. one yeah. point? Yes. Skyfall? Yes. Pierce so those and, and, and No Time to Die. You know, it was a BMW. Pierce got to drive it? In Goldeneye at the beginning. Yeah, Goldeneye. it says, oh, okay. the, the last snippet of information I have says, but the DB5 kept coming back in 007 films, appearing in Thunderball, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Casino Royale and Golden. Not according to this year. It's <laughs> a different DB. So that means that is, is so other than other than Lazenby. No, Lazenby's driven out on screen. When Man from and the Return from Man from Uncle, where he played Agent JB <laughs> driving a silver Aston Martin DB5. There you go. Timothy Dalton is the only. one. I was just about to say, so Timothy Dalton is the only one. Shut up, man. <laughs> there you go. Actually, before we move on, I know it's not in the script. For those of you watching or listening, you probably noticed that Pat couldn't be with us. Unfortunately, he couldn't oh, make the trip. So, not shout out to Pat. And Pat, hey, Pat, he actually texted me his favorite Bond vehicle. <laughs> he says it's the cello case. I'm not making that up. Outside the box. I picked the space shuttle. He picked the cello case. <laughs> he, he literally just texted me and said, tell him my favorite is the cello case. I love so, it. Shout out to Pat. It. Sorry. We talk, on our show, we talked about how you can take that thing all the way down a mountain, have it shot, and still play it in orchestra. Yeah, yeah. That's quite remarkable. And I I have to point out, I think that if you're never associated with the with the Aston Martin DB5, doesn't that make you kind of a lesser Bond oh, than no. the other Bond? Oh. No, because if you're associated with the best Aston Martin that I've hooked, well, let's see what's number one. Let's see what's number one. Don't try and tear down Timmy so, D on the show. The number one is the space shuttle from Moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I voted for, but dang it, no. Uh, it is the Aston Martin V8. I could have had a V8. 
You can. It's right there. From the living daylight. Right wow. So Jared basically went out and found a bunch of Dalton fans. <laughs> remember, remember Alan and I worked the math. <laughs> Stop the steal is all I'm saying here. I, I got to tell you, I was legitimately shocked. I was surprised when so we were doing that. you guys talk about that car because you know all about it. Alan. Well, actually, the living daylight's this too because there's the, I'm going to get this wrong, the wrong way around and I'm going to get killed for it, but. There's the Volante and the Vantage because one's the convertible and one's and in, in the movie they say they winterize it. They're actually two completely separate cars. It's the convertible mm-hmm. and the, the hardtop. Um, it's great. I mean, really, it's, a, it's an update of the DB5. It's pretty much the same sort of gadgets, but it's got lasers coming out of the hubcaps instead of revolving hubcaps. Right. You know, it's got the, the runners. It's got the yeah the sides for those again for those that don't know these by just the name. This is the black one that has the skis that come out the sides and they yeah. drive it across like a frozen lake or something, yeah, right? Yeah, they do, yeah. To me, that doesn't look like the same caliber of car. Oh, it is. As the, as the silver thing over in the, in the corner. That, it's like that, like a muscle car version of that. It, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I like it. I'm just saying it doesn't – if you told me that this and that were both Aston car. Martins, I'd be like, no, there's no way. Oh, to me, no, that's definitely got the Aston Martin heritage. It looks like okay. I actually think that also the fact that it was used in No Time to Die helped bump it up yes. the, the rankings a little bit. It put it, brought it back in the public. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bond was in it, and it was also the final car that you saw, you know, the final drive in No Time to Die. I think that mm. really looked baller, uh, too. Question yeah, for Alan. If you know or not, I, I think I read somewhere that that Aston Martin V8, uh, Living Daylights, is the first time that they didn't debut the car in the movie like it had been out for a couple of years yeah, before yeah, it, the... it, it was already around yeah, okay it, wasn't a new mm. yeah. it was like the current Aston Martin yeah top of the line Aston Martin sports car kind of like Timothy Dalton had been around for a little <laughs> and then they debuted him in yeah, yeah, Living yeah. Daylight yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what but it's I, a yeah, gorgeous I, car I, it's a gorgeous car the fact as we mentioned earlier that when we walked in through the doors that was like the first thing in that we saw was yeah. just like, oh, perfect. Yeah, and I'll agree with Alan, too, to your point, Van. I mean, I think any top 10 list of Bond cars is probably going to be DB5 at the top, but I was shocked when the V8 was at the top. Yeah, I was but I But I really agree with Alan. I think it might be because it's a well-thought-of car, and then it came back in No Time to Die, and I think it, people went, oh, I, I forgot how awesome that car was. I didn't even realize it was the same car, so that's interesting. Yeah. See, yeah. I just, I've been missing out on everything to do with that car. That kind of speaks to No Time to Die, though. They put a lot of little affectations for they Bond did, fans yeah. in that movie. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I know when cool. I saw that car, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> So nobody voted for the yellow car that rolls, literally we, rolls We had down one or two hill. votes for what, it, but it didn't vote? make yes, it. Yes, yeah. we had some votes There for it that. is down there, the yellow uh, yeah, from, yeah. Uh, from Fury Eyes Only. Yeah, no, I got folks. Yeah, it literally till, till rolls head over that. heels <laughs> down the uh, love section. Or I guess ass over tea kettle, as they say in the continent. We got votes for just about anything you could think of. Except for the Moonraker Space Station. No, no one voted for the yeah, Moonraker Space Station. Station. Dang it. <laughs> All right, the shuttle I like. The Space oh, Station. Oh, sorry, I meant the shuttle. Yeah, we got no votes for that. Uh, one well, guy wrote in and said, don't pick the space shuttle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there were five of them. They actually made five full, actually functioning space shuttles <laughs> for that Elon movie. Musk owns four of them. He, yeah, he owns four. The other is in my is in my backyard. Um, <laughs> so there were the top ten Bond vehicles as voted by you, 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 our listeners out there and social media followers. Now let's cap this off by doing a quick around the room and let each host weigh in on what they think is an underrated Bond vehicle. An underrated Bond vehicle. Alan, what is an underrated Bond vehicle? Actually, I'm looking right at it, the wet bike. The, ah. world, the world's first jet ski. Mm. So when that debuted in The Spy Who Loved Me, yes? Yes. 
that was literally the prototype of what became the ubiquitous jet ski. And so that is actually the world's first wow. jet ski we're sat here looking at. We have two of them. Uh, we have that one and one for spares. It's a fun little vehicle to work on and sit on. Not taking it on the water, but I was uh, going to ask. No, no, we haven't taken it on the water because there is literally only two in the world. Wow! Um, So, you take it the right water, you might find that DB five. Take it out of the Florida Keys. There it is. Get one of those buckets with a glass bottom on, like the in Thunderbolt. It's only on screen for maybe I don't know a minute or so. Yeah, listen to that. I just like the idea of it literally being a Bond gadget or something that was in a Bond movie that spawned a completely new line of vehicles. Sir Rod's in that uniform well, see, right yeah. now. That's what to me is interesting about it is that when anybody watches The Spy Who Loved Me Now, they're like, okay, he took a jet ski out there. Yeah. What's the what's the big deal, right? But at the time, it was like a exactly. motorcycle that goes on water. Nobody, <laughs> nobody knows that. It's one of those things that you wish that they had some way of letting people know this is really cool because – yeah, you see it on the screen now, and it's just like he's on a motorcycle. It he's not doing like, any jumps or nothing. <laughs> I, I, I literally yawn now when I see him on that thing no. because it's so common now. Yeah, and it's too bad that it can't be more appreciated, you know, mm, for yeah. what it actually was. Good so, underrated yeah. vehicle. All right, Jared, what you got for your underrated Bond vehicle? My underrated Bond vehicle is going to come with a question to Alan. My underrated Bond vehicle is I love the motorcycle from Never Say Never Again. I love that scene. I love watching it with the rocket boost uh-huh. and all that stuff. It's just uh, tricked out. I can't remember what kind. It's a Yamaha. It is a Yamaha. There you go, yeah. Yamaha motorcycle. And so the question that I want to pose to Alan is, is that something that the Fleming Foundation would do since it's outside of Eon? But A, have you ever seen it? And B, if they did have the opportunity, would the Fleming Foundation do that one? Because it's not Eon. Yes. I mean, we are separate from Eon. We work with okay. Eon. Obviously, we got a lot of help from Eon. And they're really great partners. But the foundation is set up to celebrate the works of Ian Fleming. So There you go. And James Bond. So yes, And Kevin McClory, apparently. And Kevin McClory. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, yeah, there's a Thunderbolt thing over there. So yes, yes a bit of Kevin McClory. There you go. Yeah, if we found it, yes, I think we would. I, we, I don't think we, anybody knows where it is. I think it was one of those things, as we were talking about earlier, about some of the other stuff, that at the end of the movies, in the early days, they would just destroy them or get rid of them or take all the gadgets off. I mean, Aston Martin did it. With the, we were talking about the DB5. When those were returned to Aston Martin, they took all the gadgets off and sold them as if they were ordinary DB5s. Oh, um, so nobody really thought about it back then. So I don't know where that motorcycle is. Um, if we found it, yeah, I'm sure we'd be interested. I'm not speaking for the foundation on that, by the way, but, you know, just, yeah. just theoretically. Well, if you knew where it was, let us know. We'll let Alan know. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still think that it's interesting that sort of the outlier Bond, Never Say Never Again, to this day, I think, still has the best motorcycle scene in a James Bond film. Although there's been some recent ones that have been decent. But you know this, is really like a, this is like a Q bike, though. You know? Do you know what really annoys me about the last couple of movies where they've had the Q scene in the last two Bond movies? They've had motorcycles in the background. <laughs> but they're not <laughs> using them. <laughs> they worked on and they're never used. And I said, I want to know what. Uh, yeah. Never say never again. Still the king of the motorcycle Bond, yeah. if you ask me. Oh, Jason. Okay. The banana car that you, you brought up. 2CV. <laughs> 2CV. Two, two De Chevaux. De Chevaux. Okay, yeah, got it. Okay. <laughs> From, for your eyes only, Molina's car. The reason why I think it's underrated is because, to me, that was one of the coolest car chases in the franchise history. And it's a little car. The stunt drivers and effects people had to, they had to amp up the car, something fierce, and they put in a whole different engine. In order to make it sound right, they had to add a second exhaust, so it wasn't obvious that they added an extra engine. And then they just had some of the best stunt driving I think of any of the Bond chases. 
got no love from you guys. Got no love from you guys. <laughs> so I'm going to say the banana cup. Oh, it, uh, <laughs> it got votes. It, it got votes. votes, yes. I can't look so. at it without hearing that Tommy trivia song. Yeah, from James I know. Bond, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Driving the country. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's ruined that movie for me. Which Delvin has finally agreed is the best Bond movie out there. Right? Yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Delvin, we are to you with your underrated Bond vehicle. Well, it's a running joke with rookie and rogue agents that. I am terrible with any form of transportation at all. <laughs> so, like, I would be terrible at this. So, I'm just going to pun and say the uh, space shuttle from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. Made me happy. Made me happy. I tell you, I've probably never been as excited about a vehicle in a Bond movie as I was in 1979 when those space shuttles took off. From Brazil to go. Sure yeah, in fact, I'm wearing my Drax <laughs> Industries, hoping that they'll hire me and put me on the space on the Moonraker <laughs> shuttle program. That would be great. Well, we're actually not far from the Drax factory if I go because we're ah. halfway between LAX and where the factory is. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. So you just need to go down there, down freeway, freeway a little bit. Just yeah. hitchhike right down yeah. there and get a job with Drax. Yeah. yeah, he's a very chill boss, from what I understand. He's very yeah. calm, very too. mellow. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when I applied a while back, Drax's response was. Well, if you can get him. <laughs> well, All right. He doesn't snap his fingers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he wanted me to feed his dogs or something. <laughs> I don't know who. So I actually have kind of like a top six. I've been adding to them as we've been talking. And the reason why is being here in the room in this awesome place, seeing these things, it really makes you get excited about them all over again and remember what is so cool about them. And so that's kind of what happened yeah. with me is I'm like, oh, I can't forget that one. Oh, but that one. But, oh, but that one, you know. So, and I'll give an honorable mention, in fact, to the little dune buggy down there. I believe that's the dune buggy that Pierce Brosnan's wife got run over mm-hmm. with. Yes, it is. Yes, it's wow. The it's the oh, actual one. Yeah. Good gosh. Countess Liesel. Yeah, Countess Liesel. That's right. Liesel. From Liverpool, right? <laughs> she turned out to be from Liverpool. All right. So here's, yeah. So here's the ones. I love over here to our left, the Quantum of Solace. Is that a, what is that? What car is that? What it's kind a DBS. Of, that's a DBS? Okay. Because I like the story associated with it. I've always said, we've talked about this, that the opening of Quantum of Solace is one of my favorite Bond openings because that opening car chase is just so hardcore, just blasting away at each Playing other. on loop right there. Yeah, banging away. Yeah. I love it. Oh, yeah. It, it comes in off the water and it comes up on that on the highway. It's the car chase that's happening from the end of Casino Royale. It really shows that continuation. The story I like about that car, though, is that they had several versions of it, and they had to keep the continuity of the damage. Mm-hmm. So they have multiple cars like that that were each damaged the same way so that it looked like it was the same car as it took more and more damage in that crazy opening scene. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Also, we've got two speedboats that I have to mention here. There's the speedboat we're looking at down there from Moonraker. Again, everything in Moonraker is awesome which is that silver speedboat that the hang glider comes out the top of. Hang glider is above it. Yep. Yeah, and the hang glider is here right above it. Alan was just talking earlier about how they had to restore the whole upper half of that boat. What can you tell the folks? Yeah, so when we found it, basically it had been completely gutted and was being used as a bass fishing boat. <laughs> um, so pretty much everything from the waistline up has been rebuilt and restored by the Ian Fleming Foundation. Including all the gadgets on the it's back. It's got the and mines and the yeah. torpedo and everything. Yeah. So cool, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've actually got it here, but we actually have one of the actual torpedoes from the movie signed by Richard Keel. Nice. Uh, and it oh. says, miss me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Very cool. The other speedboat that's here is from Live and Let Die. It's the white one that jumps over the road. Yeah, mm, it's the world yeah. record jump holder. It's the actual world record holding boat, and it's on the far wall. That's so cool, yeah. 
And it didn't have a slide whistle, unlike the one in Man with the Golden Gun. So we'll give it double credit for that. All right, there's the motorcycle from Tomorrow Never Dies. The reason I wanted to mention that one is when I saw it for the first time here and on the website, I didn't recognize it because throughout almost that entire scene in Tomorrow Never Dies, you have two people sitting on it and you can't see the motorcycle hardly. You see the handlebars a lot and the front wheel, but you're mostly seeing Brosnan and Michelle Yeoh. And so this is like the first time I actually saw the motorcycle by itself and went, oh, I see the name on the side of it. I mean, I... I just didn't really know what it looked like because you just mostly see them. You know what I mean? There's people draped over it with the handcuffs and all. So it was just kind of neat to actually see what the motorcycle looked like. So that was a pretty cool deal. And then it's not here, but I wanted to mention the jetpack from Thunderball because that was really exciting, especially back in the 60s, right? It was just a cool thing to see somebody flying around a jetpack. My big winner, though is the gondola hovercraft from Moonraker. (laughs) You know it's impressive because it even made a pigeon do a double take, so you know it is impressive. All right, gentlemen, so any last thoughts before we wrap things up? Anybody, Alan, you got any last tidbits for folks from the scenes that are here? Oh, I could go on for hours. I've already walked the guys around here and told lots of stories about all these vehicles. Do come out here if you've got any interest in bond and bond vehicles. This is a great exhibit. Even if you went to the one in London, try and get to this one. It's bigger. There's some different vehicles in it. It's a great mix of stuff from the Inflaming Foundation and Eon Productions and the museum all in together. It's beautifully staged. I've seen, been up close with most of these vehicles on and off over the last 10 years. But just seeing them in this environment is just mind-blowing. I love it. Thanks to the Peterson Museum for having us out, giving us access on our own to this, yes. to this, this space, these vehicles, um, is just absolutely amazing. We get to know. take one home each, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was part of the DB5. Yeah. 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 I get the one where the wheels don't even roll. Yeah. Again, and thanks to everybody for making the trip out here and, and, yeah. and doing yeah. this. And, yeah. and Pat, we miss you. Wish you could have been yeah. with us. But it's great because this is actually the first time I've met Delvin. Me, yeah, um, yeah. J- Jason in person, so uh, it's really cool. To was it everything that you hoped it would be? <laughs> probably what he expected. Probably, yeah, it's probably what I expected. Yeah, So, yeah, come out here if you're a Bond fan, if you love the Bond vehicles, or even if you're just a car guy. Just some of the stuff we just saw walking in this morning just blew my mind from a, from a car guy perspective. So That's this cool. is an amazing museum, and this is an amazing exhibit. I think it runs till October. So you've only got a few more months to get out here and check it out, but please do. I want to thank, in addition to the Bond in Motion folks, Peter's Automotive Museum, I want to thank, first, Alan, for all that you do with the Fleming Foundation to make all this even happen, even possible, that these vehicles are around. Oh, I'm on a very small part. I'm not one of the main guys. I'm just one of the grunts that gets out there. I don't want to thank Jared for putting together a lot of the structure of this episode so that we had stuff to talk about while we were here. That was awesome. And, and, And Alan for his part of it. I don't know what you guys did, but you did it great. I brought that microphone. You right? did a great job, and we are so glad to have you. I want to thank Kathy Bright for all that she has done. Too. Yeah, she's behind the camera. She's, she's right she's there. She's back there behind it, but she's uh, been a tremendous help, as always. And then the listeners and the voters in our poll. And we appreciate your support of Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast and other White Rocket shows so much. And we hope you enjoyed our little visit to uh, Bond in Motion. All right, guys, are we good? All right. Yeah. Thanks, I'm gonna everybody. Go, I'm going to go turn them off. The intro and outro theme to this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it.